Hello and welcome to Are We Forcing It? I'm Annie. And I'm Marianne. We are a Star Wars podcast that talks about Star Wars books, Star Wars shows slash movies, and news. And of course, we have a lot of news because Star Wars <laughs> Celebration started yesterday or earlier. Today. It started today. Yeah, yeah, started today. But yeah. About six hours ahead of us. So by the time we woke up, we already had things. <laughs> um, and yeah so today we're going to talk about the ahsoka trailer some of the announcements that they've made so far as of this recording which is friday evening and then um two stories from a certain point of view and of course this week's mandalorian episode so marianne why don't you want to get us started with the, the star news? wars celebration has started Woo! Woo! and uh so usually the first day is always the um the Lucasfilm studio panel which is where they make like a bulk of like really big announcements like shows tvs stuff like that and we got a lot of good stuff so um before we get to the ahsoka trailer first of all uh andor season two is in production the acolyte will be coming out the acolyte and the skeletal crew skeleton crew skeletal crew <laughs> skeleton crew will be uh coming out in um 2024 Skeleton Crew's got Jude Law, and uh, <laughs> they quoted him. He's apparently he has been gripped by Star Wars since he was six years old, so he has been waiting for this day. <laughs> yeah. And then we have three movies on the horizon. Um, they introduced the directors. One of the directors being uh, the director for the Miss Marple series. And uh, why this movie is really fascinating is because Daisy Ridley is coming back to play Jedi Master Rey Skywalker. And we are all very excited, except for the Phantom Menace. They're very pissed right now, and it's kind of hilarious. I was um, like, well, not all of us, but we are. Yes, no. <laughs> we're yeah. The Phantom excited. Menace continues to be menacing, but yes, exactly. it's fine. Um, the other movies, uh, the uh, one is being directed by Dave Filoni, and that one is going to tie like all the sequel shows together um so it's I gonna remember, be like about the new republic yeah i remember um i think it was last star wars celebration they didn't really announce it but i think he said in an interview that that was the plan for all of these new republic era shows to accumulate in like an end game style movie and or show not gonna lie. so it sounds like that's what's happening but i also kind of wonder what all is connected but We'll probably learn more over Yeah, there. I guess it's supposed to interconnect the Mandalorian, Book of Boba Fett, Ahsoka, and other Disney Plus series. And then the one who's directing the Rey movie is Charmaine Obeyed Chinoy. And then the third movie is going to be directed by James Mangold. And this will take us back to the Dawn of the Jedi, which is like 25,000 years prior to the events of the Skywalker saga. And I am stoked for this one. Uh, there's actually a book by um, Tim Levin called Dawn of the Jedi where is it i just had it dawn of the jedi into the void which takes place like twenty-five thousand years prior to the events of the skywalker saga and it's the ancient original jedi and it's not spelled j-e-d-i it's spelled j-e apostrophe d-a-i-i and they don't have lightsabers they have swords here it is i found the book in this book like the um it's i gotta reread this again so i can annotate it but yeah she actually has a vision of a jedi with a lightsaber um but the Jedi are on Tython. They don't have a light side, dark side. They actually use both. They balance both. And they have like the two moons, Ashla and Bogan. And Ashla, like Ashla's supposed to represent the light, which we knew because of Ahsoka. And the, the Bogan is supposed to represent the dark. And they balance the two to use the force. Um, and from what I understand, when they when the Jedi switched to like the light side only, is like they felt that using both the light side and the dark side was actually a bad idea. And so that's when they switched to use only like the light side, but I don't really remember much. It's all legends and there's a lot, <laughs> but yeah, I'm said, pretty excited about that one. I was watching an interview. I think it was just a TikTok length interview. Like it was very short. The clip I saw, they asked him about it and he said he really wants it to feel like um, a classic Bible movie in the sense of like the 10 commandments, like nice. huge epic scale, like really detailed in-depth character studies and story and stuff like that and i was like wow that sounds i'm excited wow I'm, <laughs> like, I'm ready um and i think that they're kind of paving the way 
like Andor is kind of a weird comparison to make, but I feel like Andor has similar pacing to something like the Ten Commandments. So that makes sense. Um, apparently they, well, I guess we could like get into this with the Ahsoka trailer, but they haven't, they made all these announcements and we had a back shot of Thrawn, but apparently they have still yet to confirm who is playing Thrawn. I am convinced it's Lars Mikkelsen. You cannot tell me otherwise. Oh, I need to send you this TikTok, but apparently, uh, my friend's TikTok, but apparently the Thrawn girlies on Twitter are very, very convinced it's him. Like they, they've got screenshots of Lars Mikkelsen from behind comparing it to the behind. They're like, I mean, they are on top of it. I will say it does not look like Benedict Cumberbatch, which was the early like oh, yes. fan casting. And it also doesn't um, really look like Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, which Pierce was Brosnan, the, the other... inspiration. He was the inspiration, if I remember correctly. Pierce Brosnan is the one who was uh, the inspiration for Thrawn's looks because he's like, because if you look at like the original Thrawn concept art, it's it's Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> well, they used his likeness in what the fortieth was it the fortieth? I think it was the fortieth celebration poster. I was like, it doesn't seem to be Benedict Cumberbatch or Pierce Brosnan, but they also haven't confirmed that it's him, even though they have now confirmed everyone else, including yes. Hera. We now, it's confirmed that it's Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Yes. Um, And she looks really good. Oh, I thought she looked great. I was worried. They all look great. I was worried that they were not going to give her green eyes because she has like, you know, she's like a famous brown eyed girl but mm -hmm. then um they did and she looks amazing they <laughs> and all look she great. the yeah. Ahsoka trailer like i oh, when i came home um i watched it on my computer and like put headphones on and i was just like oh my god yes i've seen it oh. like six times today i'm so excited <laughs> just so excited seeing hera and chopper and sabine sabine looks great so i guess like there's a lot of discussion about sabine's long hair and like one of like somebody was like upset on twitter like they they why are they giving her long hair she has short hair because she wears the helmet are they trying to like you know are they really are they really trying to screw this up and people are like i'm so scared of what this is going to be if this is what they're doing to sabine and somebody pointed out this might be like years later since the end of rebels and that maybe she's going through something <laughs> and she just let her hair grow like somebody was like this looks like a i'm having a mental breakdown uh hair and then like well you see her her hair always looks like that well <laughs> like not it, long i mean i know it's not, not long, long but it's i kind long. of wondered a little bit if it might be a sign that she's like a little symbolic because her mother has like not that her mother has long hair but she wears her hair in a braided bun so maybe it's like she's I don't know, but she like a symbolic thing. She's connecting again with her family. And she wasn't like wearing her armor either. And somebody else then that same person was upset because they were like, that that's part of their culture. Why isn't she wearing her armor? And I'm like, you guys are putting down a series based on one single trailer. The Mandia the Mandians, the Mandalorians, they wear their armor, but I feel like it's because they don't have anything else to wear. Like, because you know, in the Clone Wars, the people just hanging out, they weren't wearing armor. It was only the people in the battle, really, and the people on the move. Like, everyone right. else is wearing normal clothes. Personally, I don't think it's, I don't think it's that deep, guys. Like, no, I really I think, think it that either. it's like, they were like, this is a style choice we're going with. And we understand it's not going to be visually continuity well, and we um, also aren't really sure what's happening with the timeline i still think that it's supposed to be the same scene but it could be anything because it's also kind of like the whole discourse about um ahsoka's leku not being quite long enough and stuff like that no, or not her like her tendrils tendrils they're like they're like they're like okay yeah yeah like her you know her headdress situation like well, one of the scenes you see sabine she's kneeling in front of her helmet you know like and she is wearing the shoulder and piece armor in that scene. I and paused. It, I and then at, at one point, there's a, I don't know if it was, it wasn't from the trailer. It was from something else. At one point, it looks like her hair is short again and she's back in her Mandalorian. Um, I never saw that. Like, no, that scene is not, that's it, what I said. It's not in the trailer. No, I know. That's what I just said. Oh, okay. It's not in the trailer. It's I just, thought you I said it was somebody, later in the trailer. No, 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 no. It's not in the trailer. I think somebody just took a screenshot from Celebration and um from something else and put it out there but 
it she's in her armor and it looks like her hair is either pulled back or she cut it again but i, feel I wonder like if they are, did reshoots like i'm just like i just feel like people are looking way too into this and that they just really need to trust the process because didn't dave filoni create rebels yeah dave filoni he knows rebels. he knows sabine like yeah it's not sabine. like people are <laughs> getting it messed up it's like i'm that's why i'm like it's not that deep guys i think they're stylistic choices for live action it could be that she did a whole you know maybe they shot that early footage from last year um and she had the short hair but maybe it just wasn't working like because you can't like you can have an actress agree to it but you can't ask her to chop her hair off and maybe if all of her hair doesn't fit under like a bald cap wig like maybe the short hair just looked bad maybe the test audiences were like it's obviously terrible and they were like well if we're going terrible we're going long hair and like bright ombre because that's like sabine <laughs> you know loves her art or maybe they're kind of leaning into this aesthetic where it's like she's been on lethal this whole time by her not like by by herself but it seems like she lives a somewhat solitary lifestyle and you know, I just don't think it's that deep. That's all I'm trying to say. It's not that deep, you guys. I think there's stylistic choices for live action and everything will be explained in semi-continuity. Yeah. <laughs> so, exactly. yeah. But moving on in this trailer, so it opens. I didn't break down shot for shot, but, like, it opens and she's in a ruin of some kind. Um, so we said it was a Jedi temple. Um. Well, I have seen several breakdowns well i saw two separate breakdowns and one of them they believed it was a jedi temple and one of them believed it could be a pre-jedi pre-sith temple just like a force user temple and then of course she does the move that she does in clone wars a few times which is use her lightsabers to make a round hole to fall through <laughs> you know there's a lot going on the the big not conflicting theories but like everyone's a little like i don't want to say confused but it's the two characters with the dark orange lightsabers uh, um yes. some people one guy that broke it down i think it was star wars comics on youtube i think that was him that said it he thought that they might be um dark jedi which i guess are different than sith in legend yeah. yes um sir. yeah and i think it was him uh, or it was the other guy. One of the people I watched break it down suggested that maybe we're going to see the origins of the Dark Jedi or at least a branch of the Dark Jedi or a... Oh, the other one thought it was a Sith cult. I don't remember which one was which at this point, but one of them thought it was a Sith cult. The other one thought they were Dark Jedi, which I'm assuming are somewhat similar. I but... saw one theory where... Because where you see Ahsoka fighting him, it looks like she's in the world between the worlds. So somebody thought maybe he's somebody from the past. I mean, I guess that's possible. The theory from one of them was that their cult is going to connect to the Acolyte somehow. Um, or whatever, wherever they're from. It's going to be part of the Acolyte. But... Um, both of them did say, though, that the one scene doesn't appear to be the world between worlds because it looks more like it's a hollow map there for a map, especially because the world between worlds in Rebels doesn't have like flooring or technology. And there's both in that scene. And it's so it's like she went to this place and this is like an ancient map of some kind. Is that what she's looking for? That's like the theory. But um i was like am i supposed to know who this guy is he seems really familiar i actually didn't look up who the actor is oh <laughs> uh, i did um, ray stevenson oh i should know who he is i'll figure it out yeah so both of them thought they could be either dark jedi or they could be a specific cult but either way they are force wielding lightsaber wielding people he's in thor um, he plays volstag I do know who he is. He also yeah. played Porthos in The Three Musketeers with um, Matthew McFadden. He was Porthos. <laughs> yeah, so there was that. There was the thing about the world between worlds, which we're all expecting to see, but both of the breakdowns I saw, neither of them believed that that scene was actually the world between worlds, but that it's definitely, like, maybe it's a nod, not a nod to it, but it's leading to it or something. Um... Of course, there's the whole thing with Thrawn. 
and like the ghost crew um hera as we already mentioned is confirmed to be mary elizabeth winstead and looks really good and of course chopper just living his best life can we talk though about the live action lothcat (laughs) (laughs) i was like i don't know about you guys but i'm here for the live action lothcat lothcat whatever it is i love lothcats they're so cute yeah which now that the trailer's out i feel like maybe that's why they threw i don't know if they even planned this far ahead but i wonder if that's why they threw zeb into that one mandalorian episode because he's not in the trailer but i wonder if he just won't be really involved but then it's like um now we actually have everybody and we even had a very tiny image of live live action as a bridger uh so what's his name iman i think that's his name the one who uh is playing Ezra. Is playing Ezra. Hold I, on one second. I, oh no. I forgot his name. I feel so I'm not looking up any cast members. Looked up authors today though. Um he had tweeted out Iman Esfandi. He says it was an absolute joy and honor to play a live action hologram of such a <laughs> a live action still I'm image. Like, way to uh way to keep it low-key, my dude. Way to keep it under wraps. Ezra Bridger, aka Spectre 6, Job of the Hut, and everyone's favorite blueberry. <laughs> oh, I had one that was really funny where it was like you guys, they were like, we can talk about all of the continuity errors in this trailer, but I want to know what have they done to Job of the Hut? <laughs> and i was like top tier right here but actually i'm a little concerned because we're all we all assume that ezra bridger will be in the ahsoka show but now that we know about this movie i'm like are they really gonna put it off until the movie until the movie these bitches they might but also they would you know they would oh he would like come on i just want ezra to come home i'm begging you just bring Ezra home, y'all. Bring Ezra home. But I feel like if there's Thrawn, Ezra's got to be somewhere. Because they left together. Ezra forced him out of the galaxy. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, so there was a lot of Star Wars news. A lot of it is like... I'm sure we'll get a lot more even before this episode comes out. But oh, yeah. No, there's panels yeah, and everything. There'll be a ton... And they didn't announce dates for those other shows, but since those other shows have panels, I wonder if they'll have dates announced during them. Um, like most of them, Andor, they said, is going to be aimed to come out next summer. And then the Acolyte, they said, is also had like a season range. The only thing that has a anything close to a date is Ahsoka, which they're saying August, August. but it also doesn't yep. have a date. So, yeah. I think that's all the Star Wars news, though, as much as it was. Um, this week, we um, are talking about two stories from a certain point of view. We skipped it last week um, to talk about the Bad Batch finale, which um, apparently... Did y'all talk about it on the Geek no. Speak podcast? No. You did not? No. Amber <laughs> like six episodes behind, so we just told her... Uh, I just said, may the force be with you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, well, I was going to say you could probably go hear more thoughts on that, but apparently not. So, <laughs> anyway. Um, oh, yeah, I was and- on the podcast that comes out. Uh oh, they told me it'll be released April 14th is when the episode will come out. So, okay, so a week from. We just talked today. about, we mainly talked about Clone Wars. Um, so, the last story we talked about was the beginning of not really the beginning but this there's just two little stories that talk about it but the choke out scene with vader and the stupid guy and this this one was funny (laughs) this one is yeah that one was from the point of view of the guy that was like you guys we are vulnerable and everyone in the room is like you're stupid (laughs) and then um the one guy is like i'm going to provoke vader that'll end well so yes. this story is called an incident report and it is the incident report written by um <laughs> the the choked yeah, out guy choked yeah yeah um and it's written by daniel m lavery who is an american author um actually trans oh actually wrote a few things before transitioning and those things i believe are under a 
different name. Um, but it's not really clear from this bio in Wikipedia, except that um, somewhere around 2018, he transitioned. So, yeah, he's written for a lot of different things. Um, Rick and Morty comics. The Mary Whoa. Spinster is a short story collection. Um, something may sh something that may shock and discredit you. Um, it says that it's a memoir, but it says it was originally published as individual essays. So it seems like a lot of his stuff is short form as this is, but you can kind of tell like some of these authors really wrap it up in a really concise way. You can tell those people are like more used to writing short stories. I am terrible at writing short stories because it's hard, man. It's hard to write a short story and have it be all concise like you know how i was complaining during the tattooing scenes where i was like all of these stories just abruptly end mm. um that's how i write them <laughs> so um but this is really funny it's just the guy is such an idiot not the author <laughs> but the protagonist because <laughs> he's just like i'm sure you all heard gentlemen um and i just want you to know that i was apologize murder. for making a scene but i was not wrong and just goes on and on you clearly can tell he does not know the emperor is a sith because he just keeps bashing vader's religion yes and i'm not a bigot like, <laughs> yeah like dude and he's like i think the emperor would side with me and i'm like no <laughs> no he would not oh yeah it's like, not a very like, long story but it is saying, funny he keeps saying that like vader um vader treating the you know like the way that he diminishes the death star he's like how dare he because the emperor himself pinned his hopes on this he's going against the emperor and i'm like oh my dude only if you knew <laughs> such an idiot but he's like but like it makes me laugh because he's like i'm not a bigot I'm like are you sure <laughs> but he's just like you know he's like but i liked what was it um Oh, here we go. I'm not a bigot. I do not welcome Lord Vader quite literally attempting to shove his religious beliefs down my throat. <laughs> he had an opportunity to say literally oh, down his throat. Oh my but God, that was so You funny. know what the part that I thought was like the audacity was when he was like, notice though, he had to walk across the room to remote <laughs> choke me. <laughs> and I was like, like, dude, you are pushing so many buttons and he's like, like what I, on earth it strikes me as more than a little distant uh disingenuous if he cannot even remotely choke a single individual <laughs> across the room i imagine lord vader would have had to stand very close to the planet alderaan indeed today if he had wanted to demonstrate how thoroughly the his force wielding abilities outmatch the test like dude <laughs> oh my goodness this <laughs> Oh, actually, I'm still looking at this bio, and it looks like most of the author's previous work was satire. That totally makes sense. Oh, that's great. With this but story, he's like, for sure. Like, he's like, he's like, I'm, I'm accustomed to a little mm. briefing room brawling. He's like, I'm not he's asking like, for pity. I'm well. I'm not asking for special treatment. <laughs> you know, I'm like, then what are you asking for? <laughs> yeah, I feel like he's just like, it wasn't my fault. I almost got choked out, and everyone's <laughs> just like, yes, dude, it was. And it was just, it just went to a whole other level when he was like, has he ever brought down a planet with the force? Like, <laughs> you need to, sir, why are you writing this report? <laughs> I love he gave a score, Death Star 1, Force 0. <laughs> My goodness. Ridiculous. And of course, um, Yularen is mentioned because we all know that Yularen was there. Um, mm -hmm. And this, I thought this was really interesting. We have, I might add, an entire military intelligence unit whose sole job is to evaluate the credibility of possible threats. I then encourage the other admirals that, having invested so much time and energy into building the Death Star, it might perhaps behoove us to use it. I need hardly to say to you, gentlemen, that this was merely restating the official Tarkin doctrine. 
And I'm like, what is the Tarkin Doctrine? Well, this is what the Tarkin Doctrine is. This is from Wikipedia. The Tarkin Doctrine was the name that the media gave to a statement made by Wilhelm Tarkin during an interview following his promotion from Moff to the first Grand Moff by the Emperor Chief Palpatine five years after the formation of the Empire. It outlined his beliefs about why the Republic had needed to be unified into the Empire and praised Palpatine for his leadership. In the doctrine, he asked each imperial citizen to do their part, especially the vast military, which he justified as being necessary to defend the empire and keep the peace. The doctrine was rooted in Tarkin's theory of rule by fear, the contention that overwhelming displays of force rather than force itself were the most effective means of maintaining internal security and the loyalty of vassal worlds. The emperor's adoption of the rule by fear concept indirectly led to the accelerated development of the Death Star. Um... I think this comes from, because I was wondering if it came from the book Tarkin, but it, when it, for sources, oh yeah, no, it is in the Tarkin book. Okay, because appearances, it's the Tarkin book. Um, so, and I have not read that one yet, but I have it, but I have not read it. So hmm. Tarkin takes place five years after the rise of the Galactic Empire. So, um so then yeah tarkin tarkin must be about his rise to uh grand moss makes sense yes um but anyways <laughs> and then he ends with i might add that the plan in alderaan was selected targeted and destroyed all without the aid of lord vader's precious force well you're just digging your own grave at this but point, he was also <laughs> like oh yeah like dude I'm glad he dies on the Death Star later. I'm assuming, <laughs> I'm assuming he's not on the Death Star. Or I'm assuming he is on the Death Star when it gets blown up at the end of Well, yeah, because I think he was the one who approached Tarkin and said, we have, um, we uh, we think we may know what they're up to. Should I have your... No, 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 that wasn't him. I'm sorry, just kidding. That was somebody else. Just kidding. No, he had, he was there um, when he told Tarkin that the um before when leia was being brought in by vader he was that was him but i think it was another guy who told um tarkin we've analyzed their attack and there is a danger should i have your um shuttle on standby <laughs> tarkin, what in our moment of glory <laughs> and then <laughs> got blown up. what a fool but our <laughs> second story is called change of heart by elizabeth um i'm not sure if it's vine or wine or ween or veen I don't, I'm not sure. Oh, you know what? It's right here. It says. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, the problem is that I can't actually read a pronunciation guide. I think it's it's Wynn. Elizabeth E. Wynn. Anyway. Um, and she is known for writing young adult historical fiction. And the story is actually written in second person point of view, which is the least used of the point of views. First person is when a story is told like, I did this and I did that, just like the, the story right before this was. Um, and a third person point of view is when it's like a narrator is telling you the story of other people. And second person point of view is when the narrator is telling you your own story. Um, uh, fun fact, a lot of um, spicy fan fiction is told in this point of view. <laughs> It's the reader, the Fun. character reader. Yeah, character reader. I was going to bring up the... I don't remember if it's a trilogy, but the Inheritance series by N.K. Jemison is famously in second-person point of view. Um, but yeah, it's a POV situation. But it's about, I think, a stormtrooper? No, he's not a stormtrooper. Um he because he talks about and also talk about like a change of pace in this one like hello he i need said, to watch the scene actually says, it was easier couldn't. being in the faceless armored ranks of stormtroopers where no one could see your twitching eyebrow beneath the hard white mask he's not a stormtrooper he um oh he's one of them that wears the black helmets yeah 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 okay so, i remember now yeah this one is fascinating so this guy he is uh escorting vader him and another uh I okay Honestly, I thought this was about the um I thought this was about the uh the droid, the um interrogation droid. I did also <laughs> <This is a> <laughs> picture. <laughs> I was not expecting this at all. And it was 
I was, yeah, this is a good one. Um, but basically it starts out, he is very ambitious. Um, he's trained to be, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like indifferent, like you couldn't show emotion, anything. Like you had to keep your face completely, your body, um, excuse me, your body language and your face had to be just completely indifferent. Like, like you're just like a wall decoration or something like you're not human when they walk into the detention block it shocks him to see leia there so this goes into like a little bit more about leia's uh torture um and from his point of view he's watching as she is very defiant she is able to um resist which you know we all now know it's her force sensitivity force sensitivity helped her with that you know kind of like with um reva when she was 10 yeah although so, he mentions or the narrator says to the character it's kind of implied like he believes she's just been highly trained and that anyone that's had the training which i feel like she probably has like maybe not to the extent of like being obviously like tortured for training um, it's kind of implied that the character believes that anyone that has been trained to a certain extent would be able to resist the torture thingy. Because sure. it's like, she did it just like you could do it. And then, because the, the whole story is kind of about the character finding himself relating to her a little too yeah. much. Right, exactly. Uh, she, she resisted and battled against the intrusion into her mind, but showed none of the confusion or outrage you expect from someone who had nothing to hide. She knew why she was here, and just like you, she was focused on endurance, on holding herself in. She was exactly like you. Um, so then, when he sees her again, she's being sent to Tarkin, and she's composed again. Um, and then he notices that while Vader is like... She doesn't seem to be scurrying because she's keeping in pace with him and it like throws him off. It says here, you're, you're, you were shorter than your counterpart by a couple fingers and she was measuring her steps against yours to help her maintain her dignity. You stare straight ahead, expressionless always, you were not helping her. And so, you know, he's standing there while Tarkin and Leia are having this spat, you know, and then like he talked about signing the order like the way he just like grinned at her when he signed the order for the execution again for a moment your stomach plummeted in cold shock but you didn't swallow you didn't even blink she didn't flinch either um you were now so invested in her defiance that you'd forgotten you weren't supposed to be listening <laughs> in yeah and he was in feigning he was in feigning he was feigning difference then he watched her break because you know now he's like all right i'm we're gonna destroy alderaan and he says, this was in its way more painful to witness than the physical torment the young princess had borne with such fierce determination as Vader had probed her mind beneath the hungry needles of the interrogator droid. Tarkin had unmasked her. The steel was gone. She was frightened and desperate, but she still hesitated, still unwilling to answer his question. And then he figured out that she was lying. And he was like, well, he knew immediately she had lied. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, he was like, yeah, he knew she was lying. And but what shocked him was that Vader and Tarkin didn't see it. And he was like, is well, this they a didn't test? seem to see it. Yeah. Like to him, it was just like, he was like, was this, Are they was this a test? Me? Yeah. And then he was like, you knew she was lying because it was exactly what you would do. Like you said, he's finding that she is more and more like him. Um, and he goes on to say, she wasn't trusting you, realize she might be broken and she might be under threat of execution, but she still hadn't given anything away, even to save her world. And, he and then he goes on to say that you, he could have spared them the effort, the expense, the waste of power, could have been rewarded for it, but he hesitated. He's like, there's no reason Kirkin would have rewarded him, but why would, why not betray her though? Why not call her? Just, you know, why just be a loyal guard? And that's when he realized he had joined her rebellion. <laughs> You would not betray her. Your spirit was shaken and your loyalty changed. Your silence made you her ally. You were now as doomed as she was. You would never betray her. You had joined her rebellion. I thought this was cool. Honestly. Well, then it's like, does he also die at the end of the movie? I'm sure he does. I'm sure he was on the Death Star. Do they all Three die at the end of the, of the movie? Star. They do. Next week's, um, one of next week's stories, because I think we'll do two again, um, is the midway point of the book. 
Yay! And it is um, the destruction of Alderaan from Briha's point of view. Point of view. <laughs> By Madeline Rue. So, Rogues? I'm pretty sure it's Rue. So, we'll probably fly through the book a little faster once Mando's over, but I really like it so far. I always like the ones that are funny. Um, like the incident report, that one was pretty good. <laughs> just the audacity. Like, he had to walk across the room to choke me out. I just want everyone to note that in the footage. Like, sir, who do you think you are? He had to walk across the room. I could have done it. Like, he's so arrogant. Oh, my goodness. Ridiculous. Uh, so, this week, of course, no Bad Batch because it's um, on hiatus now. And the, well, I don't know if it's officially hiatus if the season's over. But the season has ended and we won't get any of the news until Monday. So, we'll know more by the time the episode comes out. But not before um, we record again. So, um we are of course following up on mando which was a a whole other thing dude that was hilarious i don't care what anybody says that was funny and i think more people liked it than people realize <laughs> i didn't dislike it at all i that it's kind of like what i said on twitter where i was like it was an orville episode but i wasn't until the end like the mandalorian part i was like okay yes but the part before that i was like this just feels very like the episode started out very star trek but all of the weird, sappy parodiness or parody like vibes, which I don't mind. I feel like the Mandalorian has set a little bit of a precedent for that. So I didn't think it was super out of left field. But I was like, that is very Orville. You said you've never seen the Orville, right? Correct. Yeah. So the Orville, if y'all don't know, is basically a Star Trek spoof by um, Seth MacFarlane. But it in the first season, it's very heavy on comedy. But by the time you get to the second season, it's already kind of leaning into social commentary. So it becomes a lot more like there's a lot of funny moments, but it is much more serious. Like it is almost a more self-conscious Star Trek is kind of what it is. So like like when they opened it and they were like at the helm and they were like hail them and then it was like no but i love him and <laughs> like the stuff like that which is like okay um i don't know what's going on but sure and then like the stuff later on too where it was like the reverse they're stealing our jobs argument like that humans will take our jobs and like interesting um all of that felt very orville but i didn't hate it also another big thing in the orville that was a big thing in these episodes just left field cameos <laughs> like, <laughs> is that Jack black and then like hold up is Ooh, that, is that, is that... <laughs> and then like when doc brown showed up i was like what is going on i actually didn't notice him at first you said doc brown and i was like what and then i couldn't I haven't seen Back to the Future in a long time. I think I've only seen it once and I had to have been like in high school. But it was like, um, I mean, I know him, Christopher Lloyd from, um, I think the thing I've seen him in the most is Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Mm. He's the antagonist of that film. But he, it was the second scene he was in um, where I was like, oh, it's him. Because the first scene I was like, he's really familiar but he's also not normally like, I don't, you know, he looks, a, I think he's just like aging and looks a little different, bald. It's a whole thing. <laughs> but like, oh, that, uh, yeah, another famous person. But just, you never expect to see Jack Black or Lizzo in Star Wars. I totally I could have predicted Christopher Lloyd, I think, but the others, for sure not. <laughs> and then one of my friends also pointed out, she was like, if Jack Black was in Star Wars, I would have thought, he was going to be the mustache twirling villain, but he wasn't. He's just some guy that married for love. Yep. <laughs> leading a democracy. Renounce his, renouncing his imperial ways. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like. So great. But of course, we got to talk about Mando here. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay, it's so a big thing for him. And it's a big episode for Team Mando and Bo-Katan. Here's, here's my thing. Here's my thing. So when Mando, <laughs> when Mando and Bo go on this 
CSI investigation. <laughs> God, I swear to God, this episode just killed me. Um, there were two big things that popped out at me. When they first go see the Ugnaughts, you know, Bo is not getting very far with them. But Din, Mr. Multiculture, Multilingual Mandalorian over here, he's able to sit down, he's able to get them to sit down with the Ugnaughts and talk to them and get information. So we're like, okay, here's something that Din can bring to the table. He has traveled around the galaxy. He's experienced different cultures. He knows several languages. So, you know, he's a multicultural person. He could bring in uh, treaties and whatnot with different plans if he were to rule Mandalore, right? All right. Now we get to the droids. <laughs> this motherfucker. What does he do? Instead of talking to the goddamn droids like Bo is doing, as you should, he's... Uh, he's He's beating them up. He's kicking them. He's waving his hand in front of them and then rightly gets beat up for it. <laughs> like somebody uh, said that this was because there there was of course the discourse about it not feeling super Star Warsy or like more something else than Star Wars. But someone pointed out that this is like peak standalone Clone Wars episode material. Yes. Yes. With the sappiness and the stupid droids. <laughs> Especially the yes. battle droids. Like, like very yes, it was a staple great. of high of peak clone wars for sure. So then you like Sibo and like her her leadership skills as well, you know, and how she's able to get like Din to calm down, even though he's being like a complete doofus. <laughs> Especially when they're like the droid bar and he's just like making threats. Like here was the good cop, bad cop coming out i'm like but personally what i thought this did was show that din and bo could work really well together i know you had said like you'd send me the message about how they complimented each other and i wasn't like i it's not that i disagree because i think that like the episode was definitely about them learning how to work together despite their different methods i don't know if i would say they complimented each other but also it was like because I felt like it was like the headbutting trope more than it was like, oh, like, I mean, maybe the good cop, bad cop, if that had been intentional, <laughs> like, OK, you're going to rough up the droid and I'm going to be nice. But like, um, I mean, but either way, like, I think it did show like they're better together and it's kind of lending its it's kind of like nodding toward this whole supposition that there's going to be a romantic relationship oh, a little I wasn't later. Getting, I wasn't getting, I wasn't getting romantic out of it. I was thinking no, I like think... leadership. I was getting like leading Mandalore, you know, like if they, if they were doing like a joint leadership of Mandalore or if one was advising the other, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I feel like it's, it's again, it's like the trope, like the, that they are in proximity and have to work together trope so i think which is a big romance trope but i mean that doesn't mean it has to be romantic i think that's just why i was like i could see why and i think the only reason i even consider that because i'm not one of those people that's like they will get together like i think it's because of what's his face wayne um you know one of the mandos that was like oh they have an intimate scene coming oh, up oh brendan wayne well yeah he Someone, I if someone said, I think it was um, on screen junkies. Someone was like, yeah, Clint Eastwood's kid or whatever. And I was like, John Wayne and Clint Eastwood are not the same no, person. No, anyway, that's, that's, that's a whole other thing. John Moving Wayne's on. grandson. Um, <laughs> I feel like I can see they're building, like the episode was about them building their partnership. Like, I agree with that. Um, but also displaying how different they are. And I think it's good to remember certain things about Mando because it's been so long since season one. And there were just, there were a lot of little character things that we haven't seen since then, like his relationship with the Ugnaughts. And like, that was a big part about him in season one. And at the beginning of season two, kind of before he went on the must find the Jedi and now the Mandalore arc. It was like he was a bounty hunter that would go hang out with people like to survive and to do his job and to make alliances. And like that's something that I think was good to be reminded of um, and in an interesting way where it didn't feel like we were just going back to season one. 
Um, but also, we haven't seen a ton of Bo-Katan's investigation or leadership skills. It was really good to see that as well. The thing, the one thing that I thought was weird, but I'm not mad about it because I suspect, again, with me and my misdirects, I suspect that it's a misdirect and or setup. Oh, actually, um, oh, I actually believe it's a setup. Is, I think it's a setup. Yeah, is the loophole nonsense that Mando basically pulled to hand Bo-Katan the saber and for everyone to be okay with it? Because I was like, I don't know about this logic here. Like, yes, you talked long enough that people were like, okay, sure. But also by that same logic, that spider thing was the ruler of Mandalore for a second. Like the thing he fought down in the on the planet, if it had taken the sword from him in battle, it would have been the leader, and therefore she took it. Like, but I don't think that's how it's supposed to work. But I was just like, I don't know. That being said, because I'm kind of convinced that it's like he's the reluctant hero that he must like he is supposed to have the dark saber, in my opinion. But also I have kind of like a dual theory, which is that at some point they're going to realize that they the Darksaber isn't supposed to uphold their traditions. Just because he has it doesn't mean he's the true Mandalore, but also I feel like he, I feel like they're setting him up to be the true Mandalore. So anyway, I'm conflicted. But I saw an interview with Jon Favreau today and um, Dave Filoni where he was talking about George Lucas with the, had made the Darksaber. And John Favreau said something like, you'll notice that it's heavier when people aren't destined to use it. And I was like, does this mean I'm wrong? Does this mean Bo-Katan is the one that's destined to have the Darksaber? Because she, it's light for her. Like, we've seen that. Oh, yeah, sure. yeah. I mean, I'm not mad. <laughs> and like, yeah, I was like, is that like a thing? Because he was like, well, and um, of course, training and, you know. And I was like, I feel like. This could still be part of the misdirect, but maybe he's just implying like Din is not meant to have the dark saber. Like it's all supposed to be Satine or not. I'm sorry, Satine and Bocatan. Oh my goodness, Filoni. <laughs> Why would you do this to me? It's all supposed to be um, Bocatan in the end, but we will see. Dude, um, that, will, uh, that will piss the the fanboys off so bad if Bo-Katan is the true ruler of Mandalore and it's going to be awesome. But this is what Brendan Wayne said. There's a scene coming up with Bo and Mando and it is, I don't know which version they choose as far as what was going back and forth between us, but I think it's going to. I had a great time doing that and it was a lot of varying emotions came here and there and this, there's just such a really cool quality that I felt that I was able to play around and as an actor, which most of the time you're not aware of it, you're in the moment and you go, but there's something about that and the do-si-do that we had, while physical and verbal was super intense and I think it's going to be really cool. I think you're going to enjoy it. Not going to lie, the first half of that made no sense. <laughs> it's like they must have asked him a question that they didn't include where they were like yeah, what's your but, favorite part and maybe he was trying to say like well i had a favorite part but i don't know if they're going to use that version right of it. but there's something about that and the dosido that we had while physical and verbal was super intense i don't know if it's like that sounds like a fight that's that sound what like i'm saying too intimacy. because like brendan wayne like an intimate like if they're like intimate like as in they're like up in each other's face beating the shit out of each other all right <laughs> Because the guy who posted this, he said, Brendan Wayne, the body actor for Din Jaren, says that Bo-Katan and Din have a physically and emotionally intimate scene. We don't know that it's intimate. Yeah, and it's not necessarily that the scene is super emotional. He just said that there were emotions, like he had emotions with it. But supposedly so, like, this guy has also seen all of the, because he tweeted out, go into the last few episodes with an open mind. I don't know. Now I feel like that doesn't hold that much water. So, I know. I'm just like, I don't, I don't know what's going on. And I think content creators sometimes want to feel cooler than they are. But I don't know. Some of them are cool. But also maybe some of them are just like, you guys just need to be more open-minded in general. Because I know a lot of people didn't like this episode. Oh, I yeah. think it's part of the the last few episodes, not the one before this one. And not the, well, what am I even saying? The first few episodes and this one. <laughs> um, they had 
kind of um, unconventional structure to them. Like this one had like a four act episode basically because you had the three acts that ended when they left the democracy palace situation um and then the fourth act was this little fight that Bo-Katan challenged to axe body spray over here so like that was a little different and then the first few episodes I was like I feel like maybe one of them was meant to be like maybe the first two were meant to be like an hour-long pilot instead of not a pilot but an hour-long season opener instead of two separate half hour long episodes because it was just structured kind of weird you know what i mean like the structure i think is throwing me off but i don't dislike it like i think it's fine it's just like oh i thought the episode was over and now we're, we're gonna have a fight i think people also weren't loving the kind of really goofy vibe that lizzo and jack black and christopher lloyd and the lovesick fish aliens like brought to the episode i think it's fun you know i'm like i'm well, not mad about that but i think some people are like what is this and why is it here well whenever star wars does something like that that usually means shit's about to go down yeah it's like here's so, your feel good episode here's your feel good episode because we're about to crush your hearts into a million pieces so yeah, and there's and only people just need to two like two episodes left. Yeah, and people just yeah. need to like remember that Star Wars has always been silly and campy. Like that that's just how it is. And it's okay to have silly and campy um episodes every once in a while to break the tension, to give people a break. Like the same um, which is interesting because the same uh creator that I was quoting. He says that Andor should be like the standard for all Star Wars movies and TV shows. And I'm like, sure. I maybe, but <laughs> it's it's okay to every once in a while bring in something that's silly and fun because do you really want to spend an entire season on the edge of your fucking seat and not have a break of some kind? You know, like it's it's okay and Yes, Andor was fantastic. Um, I don't know if all movies and TV shows should be that standard, but you know, but not everybody, not everybody likes everything. You can't please everybody, and so that's something. I think I talked about this maybe when we were talking about Andor, um, but I feel like Star Wars is trying to expand to truly be a little bit of something for everyone. Yeah, and I only take issue with that because you can't please everyone all the time not exactly. because i don't like what they do but i'm like i feel like you set yourself up for failure um but there's a lot of really great things like a lot of andor i still think the first three episodes could have been two but that's just me um a lot of andor was amazing like andy circus's little three four episode arc whatever it was like amazing like incredible um, and of course, I thought that was one of the strongest season finales in Star Wars thus far. Like, and it even had like, and I think I said this last week when we were talking about how I despised the Bad Batch finale, but the, um, you know, it was like, we knew he was coming back to the planet. It all teed up for shit to go down. But when shit went down, it didn't go down the way we expected it to, but it still wrapped up exactly where it needed to. And everyone was traumatized but alive so like it wasn't the end of the world and or really good but also star wars began which i it's a whole separate conversation to talk about what star wars is versus where it began but it began as kind of what you're saying which is like it was a family adventure film so it mm -hmm. was like really tropey like steal the princess like really uh, stereotypical hero arc structure um, a lot of campiness, just the droids out here being comic relief more than a plot-driven <laughs> thing, especially for C-3PO. Like, R2-D2 is important to the plot, and C-3PO, like, never is. <laughs> He's just there. You know, and that, it had a really good balance of everything. And the second two movies, even though much more intense than the first one, same. Like, 
There was a lot of funny stuff. It was all really well balanced. And I think in when you were in television, you have to like those balances aren't as subtle because you have some really intense episodes and then you have lighter episodes. Like you're not telling the whole story in two and a half hours. Mm -hmm. So then it's like that's just how it goes. But again, you can't please everyone all the time. Um, but I I think the most annoying part is that people expect to be pleased all the time. Oh yeah, no. Uh Star Wars fans have too high of expectations and they need to chill out. Yeah. Or as we discovered on TikTok, they have no expectations and just <laughs> make it known that they they've lost all hope. Yeah. I'm like, thanks, get out of here. Get out of here with that attitude. Um, yeah. Oh, you know, we did not I guess we did, but we didn't talk in depth about Daisy Ridley coming back. Oh, yes. As um, Jedi Master Ray Skywalker's second fan. Yeah. She looked really excited to be there. Yeah. She A did. lot of people, I don't know if it was leaked. Maybe she hinted it or something, but I saw it exploding like earlier this week. I saw it where people were like, tell me she's going to be there. Tell me she's going to be at Celebration. She better be at Celebration. Why wouldn't she be at Celebration? And I was like, what? Where is this coming from? Like, just. There's always been speculation about a movie about Rey and the um, new Jedi Order. There's always been that speculation. So I was like not entirely surprised, but I was also very happy that it happened. But I, it just, there's always been that speculation. So I wonder if that's why, because of that, it's always been speculated. And that's why people were like, please tell me she's going to be there. You know, um, she had hinted in an interview sometime back how she would like to get back into star wars i saw her say something because someone was like would you go back if they asked you and she was like yeah i mean i i'd love I a need, job yeah i need a job <laughs> yeah exactly so she's yeah she, you know she's talked about it and i know like oscar isaac had said in an interview that he would only return to star wars if like they had better writers yeah if um, he approved of the scripts first which was also i believe his agreement with marvel that's why they didn't announce they recently announced moon moon night season two but before that he had a one season contract and that's not a normal thing for marvel but it's because he refuses to do things before he reads the script now i mean i don't blame him look what they did to him in star wars yeah and i think i saw a lot of people there was like a weird it's almost like um like a a pivot if you will like because a lot of people were like well if she's coming back where's finn finn was done way dirtier than her which i agree but also i mean i think she deserved better than she got but finn definitely got like run through the mud a lot of people were like well i don't think john boyega is gonna be thrilled yeah, that's the to thing jump back into that i don't think he wants to come back i don't think i think i don't think john boyega wants to come back Maybe it'll be like Oscar Isaac, where he's like, "I got to see some scripts." Right? Yeah, um, exactly. Like I, something. I, I, I think he'd like redemption. They know that they need more representation, and I think they know that they did Finn dirty, oh, and yeah, also um, Rose dirty. But like, they just why would those actors return to Star Wars and the right. writers? I don't even know who wrote those screenplays. Um, well, I know Ryan Johnson wrote the one that I I'm upset with, but um, specifically for the three people of color side characters that were just sent on a side quest that meant nothing in the end. Anyway, we can complain about the sequels another time. But yeah, she's coming back. Hopefully, they'll do her better. But just you know, for people like. Star Wars isn't going to please you all the time. And it is disappointing if you, you know, like a certain aspect of something. But overall, like, every episode doesn't have to be better than the last. It doesn't have to please you more than the last episode did. And it's all getting somewhere. Like, at some point, we're going to get a Dave Filoni movie <laughs> with all of these things teaming up. We'll see how that goes. Because yeah. I feel like it's one thing for Marvel to do it with four movies with solo protagonists coming together but like um this is like teams of people coming together so we'll see how that goes but also Dave Filoni I think has been one of the most consistent storytellers in the franchise for sure so yeah, I agree so next week 
we are going to read a few more stories to at least two more stories from a certain point of view, depending on how long they are. Um, probably going to see the destruction of Alderaan. Yes. And then, yeah, we'll talk about the penultimate season episode, finale episode, the pen up. Okay. I can't even talk. This is insane. We will talk about the penultimate episode of Mando season three and Star Wars news because we will have a lot more by the time our next episode comes out. So until next time, I'm Annie. I'm Marianne. And you can join us to figure out whether or not we're forcing it. Bye. Bye.